As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Mayhem at the Million and Stephanie Bustin' Nass. <laughs> we do sometimes discuss those things. I imagine we'll be discussing some of that real soon. And it ain't Stephanie. Luke, it's OG Million Week. Uh, you won't be attending for the first time in a little while, I think. Um, well, I don't I guess you went to South Georgia last year. But this is an event you've been to quite a few times in your racing career and done quite well at it so i'll miss you down there but i'll be down there this week in what appears to be a massive crowd already gathering i'd like to i'd like to get some records on this because there seems like a year at memphis like i remember being parked in the airport and thinking i wasn't on this at the at the same facility that the million was being hosted at but that was a different time like you couldn't double for one thing and and 500 seemed like a lot like i would i think it's fair to say this will be the the biggest million dollar race turnout in in history is that fair well they've definitely gone over 600 before um at uh, at this event i can't remember i think it was slightly over 600 a few years ago so uh but all indications are it'll be the largest one ever you know as far as the total attendance now we'll see what that means to the OG million itself on friday but Typically, those kind of run hand in hand at a certain percentage. So I think the uh, the record crowd, if you if it ends up that way, will lead to a very, very large OG million itself. 
if you haven't gathered, uh, you're probably listening to this and know the answer. Know how many cars are there, know how many entries are there, know uh, who's won the opening days. We're recording on Tuesday night. Uh, I believe this will release Thursday or Friday as our, as our typical schedule does. Um, but we're going to spend a lot of time on this show kind of prognosticating. Jed, we're going we're to spend a lot of time on the million. We're going to draft the million. We're going to have a little bit of fun yeah. with that. Um, we've got uh, uh, NHRA breakdown. We've got IHRA world champions. Uh, we've got an update on the thisisbracketracing.com driver series and, and two drivers that are likely, I guess, at this point to, to walk away with $10,000 from competing at their home track. Uh, Ashley's going to come on to talk with us about that. So we got a lot to get to, but we're going to spend enough time on Montgomery. Big Jed, what else is going on in your world? Well, in my world, it's really busy. Um, I I got a lot happening. Um, It's been a pretty rough week for me because my tide lost to Tennessee uh, on Mm. Saturday, and we're not used to that. So I've (laughs) I've had to have some counseling there. And then, um, you know, the wife and I are on a pretty significant uh, journey in our personal life that uh, has us uh, consumed um, with a lot of activity. So um, really just busy, Luke. My life is nuts right now. And uh, coming out of uh, retirement again, if you will, to announce at the million this week. So it's a it's pretty crazy time for me. At least you picked an easy race to announce. There's just a few cars to call. Yeah, and my last one had 674, so I expect this one to land in there somewhere. Good times. Million-dollar race, IHRA World Champs, NHRA World Champs on the horizon. This is BracketRacing.com Driver Series Champions on the horizon. All that and more, but first. Be jizzle for rizzle. It's Million Dollar Week, Big Jed. The OG, baby. It is the OG. It comes around once a year. It never fails to provide content. Like we've always, we always leave the OG with something to talk about. Something, typically it's something completely off the wall that we could have never predicted coming into the week that just becomes a firestorm, right? For, for the folks' sake, I hope it's not that. I hope we're just talking about somebody winning a whole lot of money. That in and of itself is a story. But this race just seems to deliver every year. It's going to give us some content a week from now. There's no doubt. It always provides content. This year is going to be no different because I think the crowd's going to be massive, Luke. I think that I definitely underestimated in our picks last week in the show as far as car count for the surrounding races and the million itself. I think I was a little light there based on what I'm seeing so far this week. And there is just a, you know, it's always a little bit cool this time of year in Alabama, but there is a little more coolness out there as far as temperatures and it is going to create its share of challenges this week in Montgomery, Alabama as well. That's something that the folks and everybody there is going to have to to deal with. So there will definitely be things to talk about uh, in next week's show for sure about the OG million loop. Uh, just to be clear for, for you listeners, the, the by the time that you listen to this episode, the million dollar race will probably either have happened or be in progress, right? We're recording on Tuesday evening. So the, the week, the million dollar race week has officially just started. They, they are running the, the 20 grander, the opening 20 grander right now. So we made some 
some predictions last week, very much impromptu, very much. That was my four-year-old, if you guys heard that. <laughs> very impromptu, very much at the, last, here. I loved at, at the end of the show, very much uh, uh, unscripted, right? But we, we picked a winner. Uh, if, if you didn't happen to catch last week's show, Jed went way out of limb, picked Gary Williams. I, I went slightly closer to the tree, picked Chris Bear. We we made a, a took a swing at car count for the biggest fifty. I think we're probably both going to end up low, and they were both pretty massive numbers. Jed went with five eighty seven. I went with six thirty four. As we'll get into a little bit as we go, it it looks. I'm confident that it will surpass both of those numbers, which gives the edge to me there. Car count in the million, um, obviously yet to be determined as we record. Big Jed weighed in at three oh three. I took three forty two. So we'll have that for context. Now, again, with the, the, the foundation being that we are recording on Tuesday, we want to go a little bit deeper. We're going to do million-dollar race draft, Big Jed, and, it, and we're going to determine a winner. Okay? Yeah. Love we're going to pick 10 drivers each, snake draft style. We're going to award points based on if, we, if one of our drivers wins the million, we get 10. If, if we predict the, if one of our drivers is a runner up in the million, we get eight points, make the split in the million, we get five points. If one of our drivers wins one of the fifties, we get five runner up one of the fifties, we get three. And it should be noted. We'll take our original picks. That's Gary Williams for you, Chris Bear for me off the table. If one of those hits like that, that's the ultimate call your shot, right? So if one of those hits, they, their points are doubled for the weekend. So G-Dub for you, Chris Bear for me worth twice as much as anybody else. Okay. Love it. I think that's well thought out. All right. I will give you the honors just because I don't want to be the one on the hook picking first. You can go first. I'll take second and third. If you're, if you're good with that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, my, my first pick is going to be a racer that always seems to be in the middle of it, gives himself a chance. And I see no different right here. He's a cold weather racer because he's from the north i'm going with nick folk oh good pick good pick nick already um been in the in the final round there in the 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 pre-race right yes the the race before the race yes so so nick folk goes off the board number one okay i I will reference my big board and i get on to you for going way out on a limb big jed i'll go way out on a limb with my my two picks here give me jeff sarah and give me matt datis i think Sarah is due. I still think he's the best driver in the country. And I like I'm here. I'm here for the content. There would not be a better story than Jeff Sarah winning the million. Like that would be that to me would be a fitting end to 2022. So I'm I'm not only predicting it, I'm also rooting for it. Jeff Sarah, Matt Dadis, you can't go wrong with Dadis. Okay. I, I love those picks. Definitely had those guys on my list. So I guess I'll scratch them out now. Yeah, I got to. Let's keep this up to date. All right. So you get uh, two picks in a row. These will be your second and third drivers. I'm going to go with Sugar Shane. And I'm going with Ray Ray Miller. Okay, hard to go against you. That I'm surprised, Jed. I thought I, you're a bottom ball guy. You're a foot brake guy. You're a door car guy. You got three drive. I guess Nick's shooting a, a door car. Nick track's gonna get cold, Luke. The mm. track's gonna get cold. There's strategy here. You think that's an advantage to the dragsters? 
Oh, the dragsters are hooking the parking lot. They're a thousand feet long. Them stupid dragsters are going to hook everywhere. I'll say this. I've got a theory on this, and I think it bucks conventional wisdom. If, if the cold and if track conditions become an issue, I would rather be in one of two cars and nothing in between. I would rather be in the fastest dragster there or the slowest door car. I think, I think those go down a, a questionable racetrack better than anything. Push back. No, I, I, think, uh, I think you're spot on there. I think the, the fast dragsters definitely have a shot. But I also think anytime the track is a little bit on the loose side, a little bit iffy, I know you see much better driving out of the windshield than you do the rear view. So if you got to hold some, it's much easier to chase than it is to get chased, especially at night on a cold racetrack where, you know, let's be honest, these guys don't need to get real aggressive on the finish line with the brake pedal. You know, it's, it's just going to change some driving styles a little bit to the point where I think the dragsters are probably going to have an advantage as a whole. Obviously there's some talented door car racers that can handle it, but as a whole, I think the dragsters are going to have an advantage. I can speak to your point too, because you know how I feel about my buggy, right? I mean, my buggy went down that racetrack. It was 35 degrees last year. Yes. The buggy gets down. Yes. So at St. Louis two weeks ago, it got cold. Not not cold, cold, but the chilliest I've run in all year. It was in the 40s by the time the sun went down on Sunday. And I hear a lot of chatter. The track's iffy. And I'm like, I love it. Awesome. I can get down, right? Like Until it, until it proves otherwise, I can get down. And I kind of take it for granted because it went down just fine. I think it was fourth round about about dusk i just dropped like it was 90 degrees outside oh boy mm. <laughs> yeah that got my attention big mm. yeah to your point um yeah um there's a little bit there's a little bit more finesse involved in finish line driving and just about anything and to your point i think we would all agree that that's a little bit easier to manage as the chaser than the chasey and and i'll just stick to my guns like i think it's easier it defies conventional wisdom but i do think the higher powered cars tend to actually drive the tire and get through uh, maybe what may become a, a questionable racetrack a little bit better than the underpowered cars and i know for years we grew up on the underpower overtired mentality like i don't yeah in my experience that's not really it so nope i agree all right so it's back to me right i got uh i got team luke has jeff sarah matt Dadis. you just took sugar shane and ray ray Right. I'll I'll keep that trend then of fastest dragster or one of the fastest dragsters getting down the racetrack. And we're getting really dragster heavy in our picks. But to your point, I think it's justified with my back to back picks here. So this is six and seven overall. All right. Yeah. Give me in no particular order. Give me champ. Oh. And give me KB. Oh. Stephen McCrory, Kevin Brandon, Team Luke. Ripped my heart out right there. Ripped it out. Mm. Okay. Well, those are very good picks. Definitely on my list. Um, should have should have picked them already. But that was coming next for me, but you totally wrecked that. So if I'm going to get one pick right here, and I actually think door car here is going to be the possible avenue for this racer, although he'll have one in both, and I'm going John Siegel. 
Oh, good pick. I like Siegel, that. Siegel makes the split at the million like does. all does. the time. Yeah. And uh, I really think he's going to put himself in position again. Good pick. Good pick. You get two. Oh, I get two. I thought I, I yeah. thought I got one right there. My apologies. Um, eight overall and you get nine as well. Okay. So my next pick is going to be a guy that I pick a lot. And, um, you know, he comes through at times. Hopefully he does again. I'm going with the peep show. I, I, that's who I was leaning on when you say you pick a lot. You you, you do have a lot of peeps love, warranted peeps, peeps love. Yeah, he's named Pennington. So, you know, if I'm going to pick a Pennington, I'm obviously not going to pick me. So I'm going to pick him. So makes sense. Let's get those off of my list. Both also appeared on my big board. Um, golly, I can't. There's a name on this list that I just assumed you would scoop up. And I think I put him further down my big board, just assuming he wouldn't be there. I, huh, I, I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to reorder things a little bit because, I mean, to call a shot of anybody winning the million, it's a needle in a haystack. And I don't know that Nick Hastings wins the million. I don't even know that Nick Hastings wins a day. But if you're telling me, like, make the split of the million or make a final, it feels like he does that more often than he doesn't. Yeah. So give me, give me Nick and give Great me pick. Johnny Brackett racer. Great pick. Both, both on my list. Uh, definitely had those guys in mind. Very good picks on your part. Right, so we're, we're about halfway through here. We're through 11 of our 20 total picks. You get uh, 12 and 13. All right, Luke, I'm going to get, uh, I've just picked a racer from Texas. I'm going to go Texas heavy here because Texas always has a a big influence on this race. There's a lot of talent out there. I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, geographically, Texas isn't that close to Alabama, but you're right. Like, it seems like every year we're talking Texans. I I was kind of thinking along the same lines, even though my picks to this point don't don't illustrate that. (laughs) I'm going, I'm going Corey Gallitti. And I'm going Donnie Burleson. That's that's three 10-gallon hats in a row, Big Jed. We yeah, Pete's, yeah. Glitty, Burleson. All right. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all about Texas right now, but I'm over them. That's, that's it for Texas, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go. Glitty's off the list. All right, so I get, what are we at here? 14 and 15. <clears throat> Give me. Gosh, there is some there is some value left here on the big board, Big Jed, like some, some big names that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Um, you scooped up, Gary. I'll take Troy. Give me Troy Williams Jr. And list. Give me – I'm really dragster heavy, but I still have – I guess my big board's pretty dragster heavy too. Troy Williams Jr. and Josh Lipke. Oh, wow. Nice picks. Nice picks. Now, I don't think anybody's had a considerably better year than Ludke. Like, I, if you if you listed this out as like the the traditional names, maybe Josh wouldn't make that list. I think he's driving better than anybody. I I think, or as good as anybody. Like, he has put on a show at this event before. Um, I I, I like the odds with Ludke. Yeah, I always like the odds with Lukey and, of course, T-Rock's a threat to win any day, anywhere. So those are solid picks, solid picks. I'm fixing to 
I'm we're, facing, we're, we're I'm facing a, this out. You're going to, yeah, I'm about to pick here. one. I'm about to pick one where you're going to go. Oh, wow. That is a great pick. Big Jed. That is a great pick. I should have chose that guy. I'm coming with it here. Just tell me when you're ready, bro. Uh, do I need to sit down? I'm, I'm standing up. Should I sit down? This is, you know, this is one of those really solid picks. Okay. Give me Lane Dickin. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why is it every time uh-huh. we do this? Every time we do this, why do I not have Lane on the list? And every time somebody mentions him, I'm like, oh, Lane. Because <laughs> he don't go. He only goes to these. You know, yeah. you just don't see Lane. Yeah. Good but call. every time there's a big money race somewhere, a real big one, it's like, yeah, Lane's got to buy at nine. You know, so he's he's always <laughs> in the middle of. It. Yeah. yeah. Oh, home. Here's Lane. And I'm going to go with a little bit of little bit of home cooking, a little bit of home flavor right here, because this guy is just good enough and oh, cares. This cares. is next on my list. You're going to go. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. I don't know. I don't know if you do. I'm going with Brandon Taylor. That was next on my damn list. Oh, 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 just reached <laughs> in there and took that one. I like it. Brandon cares just enough, just a little. Like, like he really don't like he's, you know, he's just going to, he'll change to high gear only at, at freaking six cars or five cars with a buy just because the track's getting a little bit iffy. He'll do all kind of crazy stuff. And he. But because he can. Yes. Okay. Yes. He does it for whatever, for whatever reason he wants to do it. But I like Brandon. I like his ability and, and I just think he's capable. So I'm going with him. And my number 10, you're not going to pick. And I'm going to, it's just number 10 is going to be earth shattering. Okay. So the, I feel like the, the world is my oyster here. I have two picks. There's, I mean, we do have 17 tremendous racers that have we taken off the board. There's still a hundred plus tremendous racers that I could pick from. Um, Man, I'm just looking through the names left on my list and it is a, as you could imagine, is a who, who who's who. Do we have any inside information? Like, is is Scotty working this week or is Scotty racing this week? Man, I have not heard anything from Scotty in quite some time. I uh, don't know that uh, that he's going to be there. You know, it's hard for me to fathom him missing it. Right. I just he hasn't been at some of the other stuff lately. So, okay, let's. I'm going strict value here. If you tell me there are 50-50 odds Scotty Richardson shows up, call it my 1990s, like a child of the 90s bias, I'll take 50% of Scotty over 100% of everybody else. Give me Scotty. Oh, wow. You know, you, you play on fire there because if your racer don't show, that's really hindering your I realize this. Points, so. I'll take Scotty, and I just got to go value because I can't I – can't, it blows me away that he's still on the board. Give me Scotty. Give me Kyle Coltrane. Yeah, Coltrane was definitely a choice that that I wanted to make, but you know, I I, I ran out of I ran out of spots because my number ten is like he's in a he's in a really good place in his life. Just like you know, life's good, and you know, I, he he's driving good from what I've seen lately. He doesn't go a whole lot, but give me bones, give me bones in number ten. I like that. I Bones like that. is going to go 430 in his dragster. 
fastest drag straight on a premise or one of, right? I mean, today's 430s is like mid-pack, I guess, but a car that's going to get down. And he's in a 67 Camaro that'll hook in the mud puddle. And, got the two cars I listed. Yeah, you want, I mean, right? he's, he's really, he's got great tools. Uh, I think, again, you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't go to the races and, and have everybody needing to get a, a rocker arm or come down here and look at my valves. And, you know, when, when he was in the engine business, now he's in the trucking business. He sits back and he, he cooks steaks and makes fried bologna sandwiches and uh, plays with the kids. Just enjoys himself. And I think he's in a good spot here. So I like we, Bones in number 10. We laughed about, you know, Brandon Taylor just don't care just enough. Bones don't care just enough, like in the best way. Exactly. You you will understand this because you know Bones like I know Bones. If you stage anyone listening, you stage beside Bones, he's going to think you're an idiot that doesn't belong there. I just think that's what goes through his mind. <laughs> so if you stage with the back tires, he's just going to still think you're an idiot that doesn't belong there. Like it's not going to phase him, period. Like he's going to make the run that he's going to make, and it's probably going to be pretty good. And he's just like, I think you got to have a little bit of that don't give a damn to win at a high level, particularly at a race like this. Like if it's, if it's like, I've been going to this for 20 years and I'm going to run this race till I win it. You know, that, 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 that push, like, I don't know that that works here. Like there's gotta be a little, uh, yeah, whatever. Bones has got plenty of, yeah, whatever. He does have, he does have some, yeah, whatever. In him. Good stuff. Right, so, I like it. Yeah. I like my team. I, I assume you're confident in yours. This is good. Yeah. feel great. All right, quick recap. Team Jed. Are you salivating, Big Jed? Yes. Nick Folk, Sugar Shane. You got the all nickname team. Nick the Dick, Sugar Shane. <laughs> you said it. You said it. Ray Ray. What's what's Siegel? Is he got a nickname? Oh, Wheelie Wheelie Wagon. He's, he's got the Wheelie Wagon, right? He's yes. got a car that has its own nickname. You got Preston. Preston Pennington. No nickname yep. there. Galitti, Donnie B, Lane Dickin, Brandon Taylor, and Bones. Yeah, I like that. Team Luke. Yeah, yeah I Jeff got WTR. Sarah. Jeff Sarah, Matt Dadis, Champ, KB, Nasty Nick, Johnny Brackets, TWJ, Troy Williams Jr., Josh Lutke, Scotty Richardson, Hope He Shows, Kyle Coltrera. Two pretty good teams. Now, I'm going to spring something on you. Okay. I will give you the opportunity to trade a racer. From your list and my list, you get to pick if there's somebody on my list that you feel like you just got to have. The racer you give me, their points double if they score. No way. I love my team. Okay. That was the answer you should have given, but it was the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) It was the wrong one. Hold on. I just got a text. Scotty's not on the premises. I will trade you Scotty for Nick Fulton. No, uh, I'll do that to you. So, um all right, so let's get let's let's make it juicy. What's the wager? Like we have a contest, we have teams, but there's got to be there's got to be something riding on this. Yeah, I I really don't know what we should bet, what would be a good bet, but something tells me there's there's something up your sleeve. You you've got an idea. Well, I got I did get a message from a loyal listener who will remain unnamed. And we were we were discussing this this very scenario. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, this, this might resonate. I don't know that it's life or death for either of us, but here's the deal. Best I can come up with. 
If your team wins, Big Jed, I will go on Facebook Live and spend a minimum of two minutes professing my love for the state of Ohio and the racers within it. Best racers in the world. However, if my team wins, you have to do the same thing, Big Jed. And I don't care what state you praise, but you have to spend two minutes talking about how the state of Alabama does not have the best racers in the world. Okay. Um, I love it. And, you know, given the fact that the University of Tennessee just beat my my tide in football, I've got a couple of racers from the state of Tennessee. Transplants, by the way, but they do live in Tennessee. So maybe, maybe I will love Tennessee a little bit. Maybe I'll even wear me a, you know, a, a Rocky Top orange. Oh, yes. I, I should have made this part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So can you get yeah. a jersey? Oh, I'm sure I could. There's a, there's a Hibbets, Hibbets Sports close by here. Or, I mean, since I've got Nick, the folk, and I've got Lane Dickin, you know, maybe I go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get me a nice Tennessee jersey. Either way, yeah, I think uh, I think we can make this work. That sounds like a great idea. All right, all right, sounds fun. I have a lot of confidence in my team. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna love your Facebook Live in the moment. Not like love. Uh, I might even might, comment. I might even comment. One hundred. You might want to look at my team again before you before you run that yapper. But whatever, bro. All right, as we as we discuss. As we discuss this in the moment, like I said, we're recording Tuesday night. The 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 week of the million, the the introductory races are officially underway. By the time that you listen to this, there will be assume. Uh, I think it's safe to say a couple of fifty thousand dollar winners crowned, perhaps million dollar race winner crowned. But that's not even the beginning. Like the racers that are there, most of them have already been there for half a week. The Mike Smith Memorial was essentially yeah. a prelude to the million last week, Big Jed. There was a car or two on the grounds. Makes us feel bullish about our predictions for this week. Yeah, definitely uh, was a great event. Um, you know, this this race uh, had its inaugural event last year and um, just didn't quite get off the ground the way that, that everyone wanted it to and anticipated. This year, bringing the million back and having it the week prior was a an amazing, wonderful, excellent strategy by Ben Willis, and it worked to perfection. Massive crowd, Luke. They had 406 on Friday. Uh, they did no buyback because they gave everyone a time run. Really good decision on their part. They had 500 even on Saturday. Uh, did a buyback, worked out perfect, had to finish the last 30 cars or so on Sunday morning, had 519 Sunday with no buyback, wrapped the thing up about 1030 Sunday night. So really good, well done by Ben and his crew, and uh, and again, a massive crowd, so really happy for them. Friday's winner was Chad Spradlin. Uh, I don't know if people remember Chad running up the 100 grander at the Capital City Classic earlier this year. Uh, Chad gets the uh, $20,000 payday over Kevin Pruitt, uh, definitely uh, one of the the best out there. And Kevin, uh, many-time Montgomery track champion before he moved out of state several years ago. Yep. Yeah, he was in the wagon. It's now blue, so it's not as cool as when it was red, but it's still super, super cool ride. It's a very objective Uh, opinion. Yeah. Yeah, well, sorry. Saturday, 
Luke. Uh, Bryson Scruggs was the talk of the event. He there were there were four cars remaining, and he had two of those. Um, but he got by with one and lost with one and got himself into the final round in Kevin Bennett's dragster. He is facing my old buddy Mitchell Reeves. Mitchell, a local product here from the Birmingham area, uh, was down there in his uh, uncle's. I don't. Do you remember back in the day, back in the B and M days and the Huntsville days, the guy they called ZZ? Do you remember that guy he ran foot brake a lot? Vaguely, yeah, yeah. So ZZ, uh, he passed away uh, a little while back, but that was Mitchell's uncle. Mitchell took the Nova that ZZ had, and uh, and he's fixed it up with uh, James Booth. And uh, he and James are teammates on this thing. And Mitchell took that ride to a $20,000 win. It was, it was an unbelievable day for Mitchell. Uh, huge win, biggest win he's had. He's had an amazing season. Really happy for him. It was great to see him get that win. And J.J. was down there announcing, and J.J. did the interview. Um, both of them was very nervous. So it was pretty cool to see, um, obviously, my son and somebody that I care a lot about, Mitchell Reeves get that win so super proud of him and then uh sunday wrapped up with uh, a couple of bad dudes in the final round aaron disinger and nick folk and uh, aaron collected that final win light over nick for that last twenty thousand dollar payday so lots of great winners down there luke and uh, some guys that really got them got themselves some momentum heading into the uh, mickey thompson million dollar drag race yeah fair to say that all of those finalists and the majority of the field was not leaving after the Mike Smith Memorial, right? The camps, jacks are down, camps set up. We're here for the week. Um, just a couple of, of items to piggyback. Bryson Scruggs out of 500 cars to have two entries into the semifinals, super impressive. And it goes back to something that I've said for years, Jed, what's the hardest round to win? The hardest round to win is the round after you've just gotten beat. After you just got beat, right? So yes. you roll, 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 roll. I mean, to make it to the semis double entered, that's going to take, what, 16, 14 to 16 consecutive win lights? Something like that, yeah. And then you just get used to seeing the win light come down. And when it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a, a bit of shock to it. And you go from, I'm about to get all this. Right. And I'm going to run myself in the final to like, there's all of a sudden you realize that you can lose. And now there's real stakes. Like your, 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 your cut just got hacked, right. in almost in half. And it's just in, in 10 minutes time or whatever, when you roll back up to the final, it's just difficult to recover from. So, um, and, and to take nothing away from Mitchell Reeves, like he beat the dude twice back to back. It's pretty impressive. Somebody ain't lost all weekend. And you knock yeah. him out twice back to back, pretty cool stuff. And then uh, Sunday, Aaron Dysinger, Aaron's one. If you know, you know, right? He's been he's a talented dude and has been for a long time. But outside of Central Indiana, not a whole lot of people knew that to this year. That that Aaron Dysinger quickly becoming a household name in a tremendous season. Obviously highlighted by a a runner up at the uh, at the five hundred grander up in Michigan this summer. Now backs that up. He's won a couple of big races along the way. Backs that up again with a $20,000 victory here at the Mike Smith Memorial. So kudos to Aaron. If we move, well, actually, before we move away from Montgomery, Big Jen, you talked about the massive crowd. 406 on Friday. There was 519 cars there Sunday. There ain't too many of them packing up and leaving. 
<laughs> no. Okay. Our picks now, granted that was 519 entries, right? But the, the format is similar for the million double enter, same car, same driver. So I find it hard to imagine that there are going to be less than 519, certainly in the 50 granders, obviously the millions, a little bit of a different story. Our original picks, your 587, my 634, we, we touched on this earlier. I think we're both low. Yeah, Luca, we talked off air, um, so obviously you know this already, but I, I did get a report prior to us going on the show and recording that they had 496 make today's time run, a uh, little different format than what they originally planned today. So 496 did that, and the report that I got said a lot of cars did not run so they could save their one run for the time shot in tomorrow's 50. Because if you went down the track today, you don't get a time shot in tomorrow's 50 grander. And uh, a lot of people said they would bypass today for an opportunity to make a time run in the 50 grander. So I would expect, uh, you know, the, the crowd to go over 600 relatively easy on Wednesday and Luke, as we discussed, once the announcement is made that there will not be a buyback with that type of crowd, I think it's going to lead more people to go get that second entry and double. So this thing could get completely out of hand um, very early in the week tomorrow on Wednesday. Yeah, agreed. And just to, to, to add fuel to that fire, as we're recording, it's Tuesday. So not everybody that's planning on being there Friday is there already. A lot of them are, obviously. But I think it's fair to assume there will be more cars trickling in throughout the week. Um, the double entry is going to be a real thing. Um, like I don't I don't think it's ridiculous to think that this thing gets to 700 cars. We, we will see I 700 entries. We'll see a week from, from now. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about. But yeah, there's a lot going on there. And it... Um, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a marathon. You ready to announce? You got your vocal cords warmed up? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm ready for the first, you know, couple of days of it, but I'll be out of gas before it's over. You know, Bertozzi told me in Bristol, he said, I, you know, dog, they, they get 200 cars, 300 cars, get 350 cars. And he said, you come out of retirement and announce they get 674 down cars. He said, you need to tell Pete you want 10,000 down dollars a day. So now I'm going to be announcing the million and it's also going to be the biggest or close to the biggest event of the year um, with me only doing two races. So what do those two that, races have in common? The only thing they have in common is both of them will have me on the mic at That's some it. point. So, um, you know, I don't know if obviously there's no tie in there. I mean, people aren't coming because I'm announcing, but I think it gives me a little leverage. So. I'm going to be asking for a raise from these promoters if they're, if they're interested in having me involved. You guys listening? The price of poker is going up. <laughs> Good. Good stuff. I, I mean, really, how, how crazy is it that the, the two events that I'm going to come out of retirement and, and work are going to be the two largest of the year? So, Oh, yeah, completely if, unpredictable, Jed. I would have never assumed that the Fall Fling Bristol and the OG Million would be the biggest two races of the year. Well, we wouldn't have assumed that they were going to have 674. And Fair. then we've already assumed what we assume about this one, and we missed it. It's going to be bigger than both of us thought it was going to be. So, Fair. It's a perfect storm. Perfect storm. It really I mean, is. There was, 
we talked about this a little bit off air too, that there was a, a time when there was, what was it? Uh, was it 2020? There was four of these four millions within a three of them within like a month. Yep. And uh, I mean, I'm kind of constantly amazed at how, how the money continues to hold out within our market, but it obviously does. But that was asking a lot, right? <laughs> to, for for basically really this, this crowd to support three of those events in, in, in a month and, and the events all did fine. They didn't do this. Um, but now that we're back to, you know, I guess what we would consider quasi normal in terms of the, the big dollar race schedule, um, that there is, you know, two, I guess perhaps three, if you want to include the the half million in, in Michigan, uh, events throughout the year, but they're spread out. You know, you get one spring, one summer, one fall. And what we had talked about a couple of weeks ago was it just felt like once we got through SFG Darlington, Fall Fling, Bristol, we're almost a month removed from those events. And there hasn't really been anything significant of note on the big dollar race calendar. And there's nothing really significant of note for the next two, three, four months. So I feel like it's the 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 perfect storm for everyone to look at this flyer and go, last hurrah, it's the OG million, I'm in. And and it looks like every everyone seemingly has converged on Capital City Motorsports Park. No doubt about that. I think you're spot on there. And, and Luke, I, I can't remember a stretch of days with the actual 0% chance of rain this many days in a row around here mm-hmm. this time of year. Yeah. And, and Bristol and, was similar, right? Yes, mm-hmm. it was. And, and they're carrying this on into middle of next week before there was even a rain chance at all. So that just gives people the feel good that, no matter where you're parked, you're going to be fine. You know, it, it's, there's, there's going to be no mud or any of those things that we hate as racers. So that's obviously contributed. I don't know how much difference it's made in the crowd, but it's contributed. And all in all, it's just like you said, the words perfect storm fit this perfectly. All right, let's transition. Obviously the, the, all eyes in our, in our world are on Montgomery. Uh, for the week and rightfully so. But let's move, what, four or five hours northwest. Let's go to Holly Springs where IHRA crowned their world champions last weekend. Uh, had some notable winners take home the hardware and the prize packages that surrounds it. Yeah, Luke, uh, obviously there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about IHRA and some competing um, organizations, but the IHRA changed ownership here a couple of months ago and kudos to Larry Jeffers and his team for continuing on with the model that they had in place and, and really rolling out the red carpet for these guys at, uh, at Holly Springs. What a great job. The social media coverage was really good. Paige and uh, Kyle Rumley did a really good job there. All in all, I think it, it's getting them off to a very solid start. So happy to see that number one, first and foremost, and then the winners, Luke, um, when you look at this, you know, we had Jared Ledford get the win in Super Pro. He's the world champion there. Obviously, his family owns mid-Michigan, so we know that's the area of the country he comes from. It's a long way from that part of Michigan to Holly Springs or any part of Michigan. So good for Jared making the long trip pay off. Grant Zimmerman got the modified win which is their bottom bulb with trans brake class. Uh, Grant, I think, is a Byron uh, racer. So I believe he was representing Cordova. Cordova, yeah. Cordova, mm-hmm. yes. So we know in that part of the country, as you've spoke about many times, the no boxers are 
as good as top bulbers or better in some cases. So Grant obviously races around a lot of talent on a regular basis. So he drove down, made that trip pay off. That's a long trip to Holly Springs. Sportsman was Larry Doty out of PBIR, out of Palm Beach. A good ride in itself. Uh, so Larry made that pay off in the, the category where it's the slower foot brake only vehicles. And then in the junior category, Aubrey Loy came out of Knoxville and got the win. So very interesting to see the distances that people traveled and it paying off. That's, that's good. I was happy to see that for them. And certainly, um, I think it, I think it speaks uh, volumes about what this championship still meant to everybody, even with a change of ownership. And I'm hearing big plans for next year. They're going to be back at Holly Springs with the world uh, championship chase. So the world finals. So um, hoping that uh, that this is a really good sign for the IHRA uh, uh, sanctioning body and all of the people that are working hard to continue to create a good experience for the racers. It looked like a looked like a really good event. They had some weather challenges here or there, a couple of little hiccups, but for the most part, considering it was a lot of new faces involved in this World Finals event that hasn't been involved before, I think everybody learned something. I think they continue to get better each day as the event progressed. And I think it's only the the sky's the limit. It's only going to get better from here. Did we talk from time to time about the, the youth movement in, in our aspect of this sport, whether it's on the NHRA tour, it's, it's Christopher Dodd or Wyatt Wagner or Tyler Bohannon or in the big dollar bracket scene, I guess Jeff Sarah is not a spring chicken in, in this day and age, but Corey Galletti, um, Matt Dadis, uh, you could go on down the line, right? Of guys yeah, probably Garrett 25, Griffith, yeah, yeah, twenty five or under that are not just succeeding, are, are in many cases dominating. Jared Ledford and Grant Zimmerman might not be names that recognizable. I think the the relatively diehard sports and racers are, are familiar with those names. Certainly, the Ledford family name, yes, but specifically with with Jared and Grant, like two super talented dudes that at a really young age have reached, you know, essentially the pinnacle of, of bracket racing, right. To win an IHRA world championship. And, and I can, I've never had the opportunity to compete in that race. And I would imagine there, it feels a little bit different with the the uncertainty around that organization this season, but can you just imagine the magnitude, the pressure of that event to your point, basically with few exceptions, everyone there is a long way from home and, and everyone there earned this opportunity from basically competing at their home track all season. So they're not used to being four hours away from home, much less 16, eight, you know, more in some cases. So the magnitude of all that and the idea that you have worked all year to get this opportunity, like you, I would imagine you could cut the tension with a knife, right? And to run through that, sure. like every wind light's got to feel significant magnitude particularly the last one, like that feeling is that's what we all race for. That's the reason that, that we go in the first place. And for two young drivers, up and coming drivers that have definitely already proven themselves, but to take that leap, like we talked about that a, a year ago now when, when Tyler Bohannon won the, the, the guaranteed million, like that's gotta be such a shot in the arm. And it, and you've seen it from Tyler this season. Like, I mean, he hasn't just gone ape crap, Jeff Sarah, like nuts, but he's won a bunch, right? 
and the confidence that that's got to instill, I, I think you're going to see that from Jared. I think you're going to see that from Grant. And they both had tremendous seasons to begin with. But I think those are names that we're going to continue to hear moving forward. Yeah, I agree, Luke. Very well said. Uh, these these racers didn't just accomplish something that was uh, not that was a surprise this weekend. Uh, the people that race with these guys on a regular basis know how talented they are, and they know they are very, very good racers with a very, very bright future. And uh, this is just going to be one of many uh, great accomplishments in each of those racing careers. So uh, you were spot on with that. I know that we've spent a great deal of time on the last two episodes breaking down the NHRA title chase. So I'll try to keep this brief, but there's, there, we got news, we got updates, we got changes in the landscape, Big Jed. The last time that we talked, there were seven points earning events remaining on the NHRA schedule between national events and division races. Now, there are three, okay? We knocked out four last weekend and things have changed. We've had leads change hands in four different sportsman categories, one of which changed multiple times and ultimately changed back before it changed back again. And nothing is settled just yet. We're going to focus on those four classes that, that have seen a change atop the leaderboard. First, competition eliminator, where the lead changed hands not once, but twice. And this is we're going to try to keep this show positive vibes only. We're excited about the million, Big Jed. I got a downer for you. What's that? The downer is Greg Camplain. It's hard to feel bad for Greg Camplain. I think he's got life pretty much by the ear. <laughs> Greg Camplain had a rough week. We, we had said, I had said that Camplain, who's set at that 580 point mark for seems like months, um, and that's not a score that would traditionally win the world, but like, I kind of liked his chances. You got to avoid a lot of, a lot of shots, but it looked pretty good for him. And what looked really good for him going into the Dallas national event, he was, uh, significantly leading the roof tech bonus division four standings for the $100,000 bonus. Plus he was the only driver in contention for an additional 25 grand because they give a bonus if you won the Houston national event and the Dallas national event and competition eliminator. So if things broke right for Greg Camplain, he could win his first world championship. He could win the division four roof tech Roger Brogdon bonus of a hundred thousand dollars. And if he ran the table, he could make another 25 grand. All of that was within reach and realistic to hope for within that was all realistic five days ago, Jed. Five days later, he got none of it. Ouch. None of it. Ouch. That hurts, Luke. Campaign takes it on the chin. I believe it was third round, which opened the door, cracked the door slightly for one Austin Hickey, competition eliminator. Hickey had to win the race to unseat Greg Campaign to win that $100,000. And guess what he did? He won the damn race in impressive fashion. Like there were several rounds where it was double O either take or get their double O. I think there was two separate rounds. You don't see that very often in comp. He accomplished it both times and followed up his win in St. Louis at the national event with the win in Dallas. Obviously this one, a little bit more lucrative as if that wasn't enough bad news for one Greg campaign. And let's be honest, like it's hard to feel bad for Greg. I think second place in the division four deal, 150 grand. So don't cry too much for Greg. But again, think about what was on the table for him. He was also leading the national points chase. Um, 
Saturday at the Division II event in Orlando, David Eaton had to win the race to surpass Greg Camplain. Guess what David Eaton did? He won the damn race. <laughs> right? He took the lead, surpasses Greg Camplain, and that was a lead that David Eaton got to enjoy for just about 24 hours. Because in order to pass David Eaton, do you know what Ryan Pretty had to do at Bakersfield? He had I'm to guessing he had race. to win. Guess what he, what do, he Luke? did? He won the damn race. <laughs> Ryan Pretty, and, and it was like one of those, the, the moment that you dream of. It was the final round of his final race to earn points of the season. And it's all or nothing. Lose, and he's one point behind David Eaton. Win, and he's more than likely the world champion. Certainly in the lead, in the driver's seat going in. And what did he do? He won the damn race. Wow. Pretty looks that was good. A it's clutch it's not performances. Over. Yeah, just clutch, right? Pretty looks good. It's, it's not over. Um, Hickey has a shot. Cody Lane has a shot. Scott Channess, Joe Mozeris. Uh, there might be a few more, like if you get down into the the dirty math of comp eliminator, all of those racers would have to win or go deep, not once, but multiple times. But after what we saw last weekend, I mean, they could win the damn race, right? Multiple yeah. races. Yeah. Uh, Looks so likely. It's not over. Yeah. Let's transition yeah. to to happier, right? like uh, um, rest in peace, Greg Campaign's hopes and dreams, right? Rough. Rough couple of days. Again, pretty solid consolation prize, but still, that's that's tough. Yes, very tough. Uh, that's, I mean, you know, when when it's not in your hands and it's in others' hands, it probably has to be a little unnerving anyway. And then when they are accomplishing what they accomplished, dude, it sucks to take. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We're about to talk about that. <laughs> But yeah, that has to be just a heartbreaker, you know. And again, don't you can't feel bad for Greg because he does have a life pretty good, and he, you know, he's going to still collect a, a nice payday. But uh, all that that you that you're working towards to be pulled from you in such a short period of time with some clutch performances from multiple racers, uh, that's a that's a gut punch. All right, let's transition back. Positive vibes only. Our boy, Big Jed, a dub. Austin Williams, how do you respond to this statement? I'm going to tell you that Austin Williams is probably about to become one of the most unlikely world champions in recent history. I, you know, I, again, really don't follow this. So I'm just basing this off of what you've been saying leading up to this. And if he does win it, that, that has to be a very fitting description of his championship because Luke, it sounded like at one time it wasn't even a thought. And now you're saying that he is likely to do this. Let's be clear. Eight months ago, if you had told me Austin Williams is going to win the Super Comp World Championship, I would have given you just about as much crap over it as I did you picking Gary Williams to win the million. Like way to go out on a limb, Jed. (laughs) Never would have guessed it. If you had told me, If you had told Austin in late July that Austin Williams is going to win the Super Comp World Championship, he would have laughed in your face. Coming into the second leg of the Topeka Double Divisional in late July, Austin Williams had staged in eight Super Comp events this season. 
That's over half of the 14 that can count towards your score. Eight events, he had advanced past round two one time. He had lost first round at five of the eight. He was having, by his standards, by just about anyone's standards, a dreadful super comp season. In the time since, over, the, over those first eight races, he saw six win lights total. In the time since Big Jed, his round record, 25 and one. And the last 20 times he has staged an NHRA Super Comp competition, the win light has come on in his lane. Oh, my goodness. This is reminiscent of Danny Nelson in 2019. That's the only comparison I can have to this. Do you, do you remember talking about that, Big Jed? Where remember that well. Danny had gone you know, more than half the season, I don't think had been out of third round, and then just started winning. And when he started winning, he didn't stop. That's where Austin Williams is now. That... Topeka Divisional, which was the last divisional that he could claim, he advanced to the semifinals. Then he came back to Topeka and won the national. Shocker. He wins the Topeka National every year, right? Then he went to Topeka. Eight-round race in Super Comp, which, A, it's the big go. B, from a point standpoint, you might get two opportunities a season to run an eight-round race in Super Comp. It's an extra 10 points. He wins that. Follows that up now with a win at his hometown national event in Dallas. And all of a sudden... Austin Williams went from like, man, if he made the top 10, that'd be impressive to he is the odds on favorite to win the world championship. His his score is 591, which is not traditionally like a world championship score. It would have won it last year. Christopher Dodd won it with 584. The parity in super comp is high. So I think it's harder than ever to put up. Like, I don't want to say that the days of putting up 650 and super comp are done. Somebody could get hot at some point. We may see that again. But I think like cresting 600 in super comp, especially would give you a pretty good feeling about it. Austin sits at 591. Now on paper, he's got two more national events at which he could improve, except he's won three national events. You only get to claim three. You, he can't improve a win. So Austin's going to have 591. Like he could win the next two races. He's still at 591. Um, Jim Glenn has the best shot of unseating him. He's 43 points back. Uh, he's improving a first round loss at the Vegas divisional. So He's actually in a similar situation to Austin. Uh, Jim Glenn has one national event left, but he's improving a runner-up. So assuming that he doesn't win his last national event, he would have to win the fifth round at that points meet. Um, certainly not unattainable, but particularly when the pressure is on, like those are five really difficult win lights to see. Um, Michael Holcomb still got a shot. John LaBoost Jr. still has a shot. Michael Hondra still have a shot. Um, but it would take monumental efforts for him. Like, uh, I think a couple of those guys have one race left. They'd have to win it. Hondras has several races, but he would have to go deep at basically all of them. Like if we're laying odds, this isn't over, but I, I like Austin's chances to win it. And I, that, that, that would have been a laughable statement to make just what, four months ago. Yeah. Like when you, when you started describing the early part of his season, you know, it's it's understandable how he had not put himself in the conversation and to go 25 and one in his last 26 with the last 20 turning on the beacon in his lane. I mean, it's, you know, these hot streaks happen sometimes in the early part of the year. Sometimes they happen in the late part of the year. Austin got his late and, you know, he's a uh, he's obviously uh, benefiting from the other competitors 
no one really getting hot and putting up a stupid number. So his hot streak came at a perfect time and put him in great position. You know, it's obviously very impressive what he's accomplished in those last 26 rounds. Luke, I would, I would think most people would probably bail a little on the points championship chase had they put up those type of results early. And Austin's talented enough that he could have said, screw it, I'm going bracket racing. And you know, he's he's done quite well on that side this year also. But um, kudos to him for, for staying with it and continuing to go. Obviously, he about has to go to Topeka. I mean, that's obviously, you know, he wins that every year. So he had to go there and getting the Indy win, as you spoke about, with the extra round in it and then racing Dallas at home. So the events fell perfect for him. The opportunity was there, and he took advantage of it. So we'll see how it holds up, but uh, very, very impressive out of A-Dub. It's funny you say that, Jed. I was actually uh, privy to the conversation at Topeka, and and I guess this was the conversation after the conversation. But you know how vocal Austin's mother, Melinda, is, right? They're both in our pit area, and, and Melinda's preaching, like, I told him. She just give up on Supercomp. We go race stock or something like that. This year is a loss in Supercomp. And Austin just said, I'm going to finish what I started. Mm. Good call, A-Dub. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> All right, let's transition into Supergas. We're, we're going to get off the positive vibes only. Um, to your earlier point, <laughs> Big Jet. So the situation I detailed last week, I was able to to earn a runner-up finish at my last event of the season. It stretched out my points lead a little bit. It was still fairly precarious, but I felt good about the way we finished. And I felt good about our season. I I ended up with 633 points, which isn't necessarily traditionally a a score that would win, but it had a shot, right? I was uh, was two and a half rounds up on my closest competitor. And it it put me, Jed, in that unenviable situation of, you feel like you're rooting against your buddies, right? Because the, the people that have a shot at, are John LaBoost Jr., Austin Williams, Phil Unruh, Bob Locke. Like, those guys are all my buddies. I like all of those guys. And yet, I don't really want to see them succeed, right? I mean, I do, but I don't. And so, so you've got this conflicting narrative going on in your mind. And I can look at it uh, uh, logically and say, you know, there's so many good racers with shots. Like I, I got a, what was it? AJ always used to say about like being the, the guy in the matrix. I got to dodge bullets, baby. Right. And you don't really have anything to do with it. You're just sitting at home watching. Right. That's the position that I found myself in. So you could logically say like one of these guys is going to pass me, but you can also like create narratives and tell yourself like, Oh no, this is how it's going to work. It's all going to work out. It's going to be fine. Right. I'll say this much. I may not have had a ton of faith, big Jed that 633 would ultimately hold up to win the world championship. But if I'm being completely honest, I felt pretty comfortable that I could come on this podcast this week and be like, ah, still holding on. I thought I would carry the lead out West. The only way that that wasn't going to happen was if somebody in Bakersfield went ballistic and like, you know, basically ran the table at the two divisionals out there or Phil Unruh went to Dallas and won the race, won the race. Well, guess what Phil Unruh did at Dallas? What do you do, Luke? Won the damn race, Big Jed. (laughs) Won the damn race. Kudos to Phil. Um, Yeah, he put on a a show, and he's 
I, it's still not over. Like if, if he wins it, he's obviously a deserving champion like Phil a lot. He's got great equipment, good racer. Right. And he's flirted with this before, I think most notably in Superstock. So I always, I always say, and it seems a little bit tongue in cheek now, like I, I wish everybody that took this seriously had an opportunity to win it once because the feeling's amazing. And I want to see him do that. I, I, I'd prefer it not be at my expense, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy for Phil, obviously. Right. Um, he's not out of the woods yet. He's crested 650. And that to me is the the line. Like you get over 650, you should quote unquote, win the national championship. And, and if you crest 650 and somebody gets over it, you just go shake their hand and tell them good job. Like you have absolutely nothing to hang your head about. That's where Phil's at. He's at 654. Um, I think it's likely to hold up, but Bob Locke is there at 610. I think, uh, I did the math the other day and I don't have it written down in front of me. I think if Phil doesn't improve, which it's not a given that he will, I think the worst finish now that he's improving, he Phil can still earn points at the last three events. So there's still opportunity for him to raise that score even more. I think he's improving a third round loss at his, at his lone divisional. That's his best opportunity to improve. If he's unable to improve, if Bob Locke makes a final, he would either tie or take the lead. So it's certainly not over. Um, I think Austin Williams, the aforementioned Austin Williams still has a mathematical shot in Supergas. I believe he would have to win both national events, or if they both go seven rounds, I think maybe he could win one and runner up one, assuming that Phil doesn't improve. And that sounds preposterous until you think, well, Austin's won 20 consecutive rounds in Supercomp and did text me the other day saying that he's been driving better in Supergas than he has in Supercomp. So I wouldn't put it past him. Um, so Phil's not out of the woods yet, but he's, he looks pretty good. Yeah, you know, obviously he's he's done what needed to be done and put himself in great position. Um, mathematical chances for Bob and Austin uh, certainly need to to continue to drive Phil and and make those improvements that he can improve on. But um, just really heartbroken for you, Luke. And I know you're not heartbroken. Uh, I know that you know you're you're comfortable with with what's what's happened and you know you you gave it your all but just really wanted to see you retain that one this year and um you know i hate to i'm a big fan of fields but i hate to see anybody come in there and take that away but when it's all said and done i guess you have to be comfortable with the fact that they did what they had to do this was not just you falling out of the car by any means i mean you had a, a solid point total and and Fields come back and done what he's had to do and Bob and Austin giving themselves a chance. So I guess if there's anything you can lean on, that's uh, that's there for you to to lean on a little bit. Still hate to see it, but um, happy for Phil. That's a, that's a good dude, and I hope he finishes this thing off. No offense to anybody else in the chase. Yeah, no, 100%. I think you're, you, you kind of hit it on all marks. Like it would I could look back on that, that stretch from mid season to towards the end where I couldn't seem to turn on wind light and beat myself up about a lot of that. And, and there's some of that going on. It would be a lot worse on my end had I not finished strong. Like I feel a whole lot better about it after making the final of that last race, feeling like we ended on a high note, like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take it. And it's, you do this to, to win it certainly. Um, and I've, and I've had the luxury of, of feeling that feeling multiple times. Um, but I've finished second before. If that happens, that won't be a first. I've finished third a couple of times. I've finished fourth a couple of times. Like if you do this enough and chase it, you're going to experience more of the heartache, if you will, than the uh, exhilaration. But there is also like, there's an exhilaration in the heart heartache. Like you, not everybody gets the opportunity to 
to not only feel the the highs, but also to to know what it's like to have the the rug pulled out from under you. Like there is there is some gratitude for being in that position as well. And and I think uh, if anything, the last ten years have taught me it's that. Yeah, well said. That's a, that's a good perspective on something I know means a lot to you, but you know, you, you go out there, do the best you can and see where you land and you gave yourself an opportunity, which in the end, at the end of the day is really all you can hope for. One last category to touch on. And we've been saying for a couple of weeks that it is the, the most intriguing chase and it just keeps getting juicier. So coming into the weekend, Vince Hoda led the national points in the top sportsman category. When he qualified at the Dallas national event and staged for round one, Lance Abbott took the lead for about 10 minutes. He lost in round one. Vince later in the round got a first round win light, which vaulted him back into the lead for less than 24 hours. Vince lost in round two. And by the end of the weekend, your man, big Jed, Don Mazir, on the strength of a semifinal and a quarterfinal finish at the double divisional out West in Bakersfield has now taken the lead back. Not by much. There's those three are very tightly bunched. Mazir, the order right now is Mazir, Hoda, Abbott. They're within 10 points or one round of each other. They can all earn points at remaining events. Uh, keep in mind, top sportsman's not contested at the Vegas national. That's the next race on the NHRA tour. Top sportsman obviously runs at the divisional and then at the world finals, uh, I believe Mazir and Abbott can, can improve their scores at both of those events. Hoda only at the national event. Um, if you're looking for a dark horse at open, still lurking, uh, Cole Prejean. If you're looking for a real door car, dark horse, Cole jumped up over the course of the last couple of weeks. He's got a shot. Uh, it would take multiple, I think finals at those last two races, but he's got a shot. Um, Everyone in the mix can still earn points at one or both. There's no scenario, Big Jed, uh, in which this is decided before Pomona. This, at the very least, is going to come down to round one or two at Pomona and could well go to the final round of the final race. And while that can be a little bit nerve-wracking for those involved, um, it's awesome drama. Yeah, it looks like a very tight points chase there, Luke. And, you know, we're we're at the end of the show and, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's tired of listening. So I will sum this up with three words. Go Don Mazir. Pulling for you, bro. I thought you were going to tell me you were going to sum it up with three words and just say go Don. <laughs> that would have been great. No, I'm pulling for you, Don. Finish it off, bro. I like Don. I like my, my man's Vince. I got to root for Vince. I like Lance too. I know them all. Um, but yeah, like uh, Vince, he's an elite member. He's my dog. He's my oh, boy. Yeah. I like Vince. And he brings yeah. your kids Dairy Queen. So he's, oh. he's definitely got their vote. That's a good dude. And yeah. dude bringing anybody Dairy Queen is a good dude. Uh, banana they, they split. They the Dairy Queen franchise. They got, really? They, that's where you go. You go get Whoa. bars. At the race you just track. changed the game. Yeah. See, uh, right? yeah I, I, gotta, need, uh, I need that. Yeah, I need that. Uh, I need that Dairy Queen card. Okay, <laughs> that changed everything. Banana split blizzards with no pineapple are the bomb. Okay, so I uh, I think I can change who I'm rooting for. Now nah, you know what? Do it, Don. It's all you, bro. <laughs> Jed, our listeners know how much we like to nerd out over the points chases. We're going to nerd out in a little different fashion. 
Uh, we've got Ashley Thompson on with us. She heads up the thisisbracketracing.com driver series, which like every other series or, or, or track championship this time of year, it's getting down to the wire, right? So we're going to kind of rehash where we're at and what's going on, what we can expect, who are the movers and shakers. Ashley, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun uh, going through these points recently and um, seeing everything come to fruition. No um, question. What is it about Bremerton Raceway? Every year we do this. Every year we talk about Bremerton. In year one, it was Kip Poole and Lane Savar, like they both from Bremerton, both are national champions. A year ago, it was Brian McGinnis on the bottom. Trip West upset the apple cart. He's the only champion thus far not to come from Bremerton. Right now, we've got racers from Bremerton leading both the top bulb and the bottom bulb points. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I think, um, you know, I've like thought about this a little bit. And I think because the West Coast, there's not as much um, of those like bigger races. I think um, we do have a lot of people that do stick to home and do chase that um, track championship and, um, you know, to set them up for ET finals and whatnot. I think that might play a little bit of a part um, if, you know, in, on the East Coast or Midwest, if um, those, you know, those uh, those races for you know, um, points races at those local tracks maybe uh, collide with some of those bigger races and those racers might be going to those racers instead of staying at their home track. Um, that's kind of what I've thought about. I'm not really sure if that is it. Um or if <laughs> Bremerton just breeds, you know, amazing, amazing racers. Um, I mean, I've raced up there for a, a long time now and it's, it's pretty tough competition. So, and we get a lot of Portland racers and Woodburn racers, um, especially, you know, Portland racers go up there on the weekends because they race their points on Wednesday nights and um, Portland, I I'd say it's like pretty tough competition looking at, um, you know, pro and sportsmen and all and all that so that's my um best guess but yeah i can follow so, along with that logic go ahead jed no i was gonna say i'd say that's probably spot on in ashley's uh, assessment there because you know the east coast racers as we've talked about many times are spoiled and in a good way in a sense where where we have so many big money races that uh that attract our attention. So I think that that probably leads people to, to get on the chase from time to time and keeps them from following a series where the West coast has got tons of talent. Uh, We know that the racers out there are very talented and they probably don't have quite as many options. So they see something like this driver series, which is an amazing opportunity to, to make a big payday and stay at home doing it. Uh, it's it's really the best of both worlds for them, and I totally understand how it continues to to fall to the West Coast side more often, and uh, it makes total sense in in how you come up with that evaluation of it too. So, thank you. Only West Coast track involved. Like there's there's Woodburn, there's Tucson, there's Redding. Like I I'm I'm just going with the story that there's something in the water at Bremerton and it's not like to your point actually like you said the competition stiff I part of me as the the east coast bias wants to say like there's just not many good racers and somebody dominates but it's somebody different dominating every year like it just doesn't make a lot of sense from the outside 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. And it's funny you say there's something in the water because there's no running water at Bremerton. It's an <laughs> old airstrip. There's, no, there's what? no, yeah. The buildings are like on we- the towers on wheels. Everything has to be movable. So it's funny that you no say offense that. to Bremerton, but I could not race there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's tough. Running water is something that I've become really addicted to. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, when you're there for like three days and you're you're dry camping, it's yeah. Oh, Ashley, no, no, I let's, know. let's not even discuss. That. <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, I, I just can't even fathom it. The trailer, maybe that's why the racers are so good there. They're, they got to be damn tough to race there. I mean, you don't have running water, you got to be the toughest sob on earth. <laughs> now we're getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, no pun intended. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to tie up with some dude just been sleeping <laughs> under a tent for a couple of days. Ain't even brushed his teeth. Nah, nah, um, I'm out. Yeah, I'm I'm a victim of the old brush your teeth with like a water bottle and, uh, you know, pour it on the toothbrush on the side of the truck. Yeah. Yep. I do that. <laughs> okay. So you're tough too. All right. <laughs> All right. So bottom line here, two Two racers are going to walk away with $10,000 each for winning the the national championship. It looks like the odds are better than not that those two racers are going to hail from Bremerton Raceway. Let's get into the nuts and bolts. Do you want to start in the top ball class or the bottom ball class? Um, Let's start in bottom. Of course, that's not the spreadsheet I had pulled up. All right, here we go. My bad. uh, Oh, go for it. I was just going to say we've got a natural class to start with, Luke. Come here. Yeah, true. Good, fair, fair. We've got a, a legitimate opportunity for the first time in series history for our champion to be a repeat champion, a back-to-back, a defending, a reigning champion. Brian McGinnis, I don't, you can tell me, Ashley, if it's, if it's over, but Brian McGinnis once again leads going for his second consecutive, this is bracketracing.com driver series championship on the bottom bowl. Yeah. Um, Yes, he's he's killing it. Um, I told you before the show, before we started recording, but um, at his home track in Bremerton, um, he has he's in first place with a lead of 191 points. The season's over for them. Um, So second place was 636 points. So 191 point lead. And their point system is like the NHRA points based on car count and all that. Um, so it's uh, 10 points roughly. Um, that's so not know, like 50 round. points around that, no. that, 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 that second place finisher wasn't, wasn't four rounds behind. No, like, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, so he locked it up pretty good and just dominated in, um, in bottom bulb and he races top bulb as well. And on the top bulb points, he's number seven. So he didn't do terribly bad there either. Um, but yeah, again, just Brian McGinnis dominating. So that's I'm, all I got to say there. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at, at Brian's scorecard for, for this season for, for 2022. And mm-hmm. out of the eight races that count toward points, right. Mm-hmm. He's won three of them. He's gone rounds every week. Um, yep. Yeah. It's just, it's pretty impressive stuff right now. He sits uh, what 50 plus points ahead of Jake Howard. Jake is racing at Ardmore. You said Ardmore still got an event left. So I assume there is an opportunity for Jake to overtake Brian, but it would take some doing at this point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then 
trying to think. Yeah, I mean, Grant Nichols in third place from Lebanon Valley at 215, but their points are done as well. So um, unless there's somebody who um, – we are still waiting on results from a couple tracks. So unless somebody that from there just, like, you know, comes storming up behind, um, I'd say there's a good chance that Brian has it. Yeah, if we learned anything from last season, it's not to call it early, but we'll just say, yeah. Brian McGinnis, I, I like your chances, Brian. It could be another 10 grand. Yeah, yep, definitely. All right. Mm. Over on the top bulb side, I see a I see a familiar last name. I see a familiar yeah. racetrack. <laughs> yes. So uh in first place, Luke Savar from Bremerton Raceway leads um with about 50 points as well to second place, Jeremy Sears. Um, at Bremerton as well. Um, the cool thing is Luke Savar is following in his brother's footsteps, uh, Lane Savar. He won the first year we did the driver series. So it's kind of cool seeing that happen. Um, they're both like really close, really, you know, also good friends with Cooper Chun and all that. So it's kind of cool seeing, um, Luke do that. Like he just jumped in the car. I think he started racing the dragster last year. Um, so he hasn't even been in the car that long, but you know, they, they do race a lot. So I'm sure he's got plenty of runs under his belt. Correct. Yep. Yeah. He's 18 actually. So Jeremy Sears is my dog. So I'm, uh, you know, I I don't really pull against anyone, but I can pull for someone. So I'm going to pull for Jeremy Sears here. Has he, does he have a shot, Ashley? Um, A, a legitimate shot. Uh, no, only because wow. our points are done. Wow. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Shot right in the gut right there. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Jeremy Sears, yeah, he, he always does good up there. Um, I'm really good friends with them, too. So I think it's just cool to see all my friends up there. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to see your, your pals yeah. battling it out. Yeah, I see, uh, I see reigning top bulb champion Trip West lurking in fourth place. He's a ways out of the lead. And if Ardmore just has one race left, I don't think there's a path for him to overtake Luke Savar. But good to see Trip backing up his championship with another, like, sure to be top 10 finish, it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he messaged me early on, like, I'm just struggling this year. I can't get out of first round. Um, so bummer for him. But, you know, we've all been there. We all get in that rut. So, Yep. Right, so there's a handful of races left at a handful of tracks. When will this be final? When can we actually announce winners? I would say end of November. Okay. Yep. So that gives us time to go over it. It gives people a chance to look at their points um, and email with any like discrepancies they see, um, things like that. Yeah, to, to your end. Well, let's take it one step at a time. There's only a handful of tracks that still have events remaining, but some of them could stretch out. And then to your point like to have a few weeks of follow-up from your standpoint, like just speak for a second, because I just catch bits and pieces of this with our relationship. How much work is this to keep up with results from 20 plus racetracks all across the country? Like this, this looks like a, this neat and tidy thing. Like, Oh, this is awesome. This can't be easy. It's not. Um, there's a lot of communication. I mean, Bremerton alone had six rainouts. That's six out of their eight races that we predetermined. So that means, you know, we had to, um, look at their schedule, try and pick out races in the future that would have worked. So we had to reschedule six of their eight races, which was 
um, we made it work and we got them in, but yeah, just that alone, um, communication with the tracks, um, as stupid as this may sound, just having like the results on one page of my computer and then like clicking onto the next page or going back and forth between two monitors and like your mind gets all jumbled up because you're looking at all these uh, competition numbers and you're going through this list and all that. So, and it's just time consuming, um, you know, checking and double checking and, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, eight races times 20 tracks, that's 160 uh, races times two because you've got bottom and top hold. Um, so I never actually thought about it like that, but yeah, that's a lot, <laughs> but I've learned how to look at, um, you know, different result sheets, um, AccuTime and PortaTree, like all, how they print their reports or in CompuLink, it's all different. So, um, <laughs> I had to, it was a quick adjustment, but I had to learn how to read all those. Well, on behalf of hundreds of racers across the country, let me say thank you for, for doing what you do and keeping this thing going. It's really cool. It's really cool on our end to, to write two $10,000 checks at the end of the year to racers that are, you know, grassroots racers, like supporting their, their home track. Like to me, I know Jed and I, and, and yourself, Ashley, like this is how we came up in the sport racing and, it, and it's cool to, to see that level of competition continue to to thrive in areas continue to grow and it's uh it's neat to be a part of it and, and do something to reward it because i feel like that's been lacking for years and years yeah definitely and i can't take all the credit brad hawk also helps with points um and updating those and um tracy chun cooper's mom also helps me on occasion so uh, i don't want to take all the credit but um i also want to just thank jegs for stepping up and um putting it, giving us those gift cards to give out to, um, the people that place, uh, sixth through 10th place, um, to kind of spread the love around. And then, um, us doing the, uh, the cash money for, um, places two through four. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Ashley, real thanks real for stuff. coming on and giving us the update. Go ahead, Jed. No, nah, it was a real good stuff. Uh, and you know, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for people to compete for, you know, really amazing prize packages at their home track. And, um, you know, that you don't have to leave home to win the, this is bracket racing driver series. So a uh, great job by you guys, both of you for, for all the effort and the work and the ideas that you, that you put into play here. And certainly, um, my mission next year is to get one of my home tracks to sign up and, uh, and win the driver series. I'm, I'm focusing 2023 is dedicated solely to winning the driver series next year. I'm, uh, I'm going for the championship McGinnis, uh, Kavar, uh, whoever else get ready. <laughs> Y'all better bring it next year. Cause it's on. That's awesome to hear. <laughs> foot break Jed, foot break Jed to the lanes. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try to win both bottom and top. Double up. You could be our first double up. Yeah. There's no doubt. I'll get it done. Yeah. I'm good for, I'm good for four or five round win average a week. Perfect. That'll get it done. I think, you know, the people that win it have just, yeah, they've got a couple wins, but you know, they just go four or five rounds every, every time. And you're probably guaranteed to be in the top 10. There you go. Well, that's what I'm shooting for. Just got to get, get some of my tracks to sign up. I'll be ready. 
Awesome. Ashley, as always, it is good to see you. Thank you for coming on and thanks for all you do for, uh, for Sportsman Drag Racing. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. That wraps us up, Luke. What a good show. We, uh, we had a little bit of everything in this one and uh, really looking forward to talking about the uh, OG million results next week when we come back. But uh, whatever we talked about in this show, if it got you stirred up or made you think of something that you'd like to talk about or you got something to say about what we said, there's a place you can do that. It's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can go right there and post on uh, the post when producer Mark releases it. Or you can send us a private message and uh, producer Mark will snag that up and get it to us. So go to the page and tell us what you're thinking and uh, give us your predictions. You know, the million um, will be being contested probably when you hear this or most of you. So, you know, that's uh, it's really not going to be a fair prediction, but you can pick. Maybe there's 40 left and you can pick out of them when you when you listen, whatever. Just go tell us who you think is going to get it done. We'd love to hear from you anytime there on the Facebook page. Luke, what you got for shouts this week? Shouts to our wager. That's going to be fun. Shouts to Bremerton and the water or lack thereof. <laughs> yes, shouts to Greg Campaign. It's not often that, that I draw on your emotions to feel bad for someone that just won $50,000. That's what we did. And I feel bad for Greg Campaign. Shouts to the price of poker. Shouts to... <laughs> I had to pull this up, Big Jet. I had to, I had to get you on this because you said, man, it's a long way from, from Stanton, Michigan to Holly Springs. And then in the next breath, oh, Larry Doty, he, he'd come a long way from, from West Palm Beach too, just for the record. Stanton to Holly Springs, 772 miles. West Palm Beach to Holly Springs, 900. Holy cow. And shouts to everybody that won the race. Shouts to everybody that won the damn race. All of y'all. It's impressive. Yes. No doubt. And uh, shouts to Ashley Thompson for uh, giving us the, the driver series update that, that you're going to hear here on this show as well. So good stuff. And the, and the breakdown on the water situation at Bremerton. Yeah. Or, or again, like they're uh, that's uh, Bremerton's off my list. That's uh, I can't race there, but wish everybody luck that, that can, that's tough enough to attend. You're a tough bunch. All right, folks, Luke and I uh, love to get on the Twitter. If you like to tweet, Tweet at us, add us, tag us, whatever you do, get us uh, involved in your tweet. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I'm at JP11X. We appreciate you tuning in, and good luck to anybody that uh, that's going to be at the OG Million. I'll see you guys down there tomorrow as we're recording on Tuesday. I'll be there Wednesday. Look forward to being on the mic and chatting with some of you as well, but I really look forward to with Luke to talking to you real soon about more sportsman drag racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal 
in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.